0: When I think about journalists doing high-risk reporting, I don't think about people like Donnie Chamberlain. Donnie lives in Shasta County, California, ranch country. She writes for a hyper-local news site she runs called a News Cafe. In the fall, she publishes her favorite Thanksgiving recipes. When West Valley High got a Distinguished School Award from the state, she wrote an article on that, too but it is her coverage of county supervisor meetings where the trouble started i've been a journalist for 28 years now i felt some level of protection
2: bringing a, a notebook and a pen and a recorder somehow i felt like that was my bulletproof vest you know i mean i used to receive hate mail like most journalists do at one point or another but in the last 2 years There's been this awareness that I do feel in danger. I've gone to protests where members of the crowd will turn and point me out and chant my name and ask for me to come up to the front. And I remember thinking a few times, this is
0: how a lynch mob works. To get why Donnie feels so vulnerable, it helps to have some context. First, Donnie lives in what she calls a news desert. She says the paper where she used to work— has been gutted. The local TV station is owned by a conservative network called Sinclair Broadcast Group. And then there's a news cafe where Donnie's started calling out extremists and militias in Shasta County. She calls them the Shasta Taliban.
2: And I know good journalists from the surrounding media, but basically they don't have the time and the resources or the the direction to cover the things
0: we are. So we're it. and. To me, it's like, low. why do you have the time and the money <laughs> and the resources?
2: I don't have the money. I have, I have time. And because a news cafe is an independent website and nobody owns me, um, I can write about whatever I want. And I'm kind of terrier-like. And
0: once I get my teeth in something, I just can't let go of it. What Donnie's got her teeth in now is the growing organization of these activists, who call themselves conservative, but in reality, seem to just dislike rules. They got louder during COVID, and then they stayed loud. Our children do not deserve what they've gotten over the last two years. They have done nothing to deserve the restrictions,
1: the mandates, the stress, the horrifying trauma.
0: I watched this video that you recorded in August of 2021 Because I wanted to understand the tone and the tenor of what it's like when people push back at you. This is from a Shasta County Supervisors meeting. When you have people like Donnie Chamberlain, who is the only person in this room right now wearing a mask covering her coward face. And this guy, Carlos Sabata, gets up to rant about lockdowns and mandates. And then he looks right at you. I don't know what you would do with your life if it wasn't
2: for me, Donnie Chamberlain. The one man he just went off and you know, there, I was kind of split between feeling like am I a journalist first or am I a woman first who's being attacked by this guy who's who's very menacing and I just kept holding up my phone and saying to myself just document document document
0: you are a coward, Donnie Chamberlain, It's people like you they are making this life difficult for our children, the people that actually want to live in this county and make it better. It's strange to look back at that video now, because one of the things Carlos says is, this is our county. We're fighting to take it back from people like you. Yeah. That's kind of what's just happened. Yes. Well, it's exactly what is happening In the months since this video was shot, these activists mounted a recall election against the Shasta Board of Supervisors. A group unhappy with some of the Shasta County Board of Supervisors is now pushing for a recall. And to a lot of people's surprise, they won. Uh,
1: Leonard Modi will be removed from office tonight.
0: (laughs) Now, their supporters make up a majority of the board. And they've been calling what they did here, the way they upended local government, a blueprint. Do you see what happened in Shasta County as a cautionary tale? I do see it as a cautionary tale because I'm
2: sure you're seeing like I am reports of recalls all over the country, school boards, city councils, board of supervisors. And the thing is, is some people might say, so what? Well, the so what is that a lot of these people who want into these seats are anti-government, which is ironic because they're, they're now government officials basically, but they're anti-government. They may not agree on a lot of things personally, but what they do agree on is freedom and liberty. And they want the freedom and the liberty to do whatever they damn well please. So I think the repercussions
0: could be catastrophic. Today on the show the saga of Shasta County, a deep red place in a bright blue state that's revealing how simple it can be to topple the usual order, and also raising this question, where will this blueprint be used next? I'm Mary Harris. You're listening to What Next. Stick around. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. When I started looking into what was happening in Shasta County, California, I stumbled onto these pictures of the region. They reminded me of old B-roll of Ronald Reagan on his California ranch. Lots of horses, lots of cowboy hats. Donnie Chamberlain grew up here. It's beautiful.
2: The natural beauty is incredible. We're surrounded by mountains. There's Mount Shasta on one side and Lassen Peak on another and it's always been a place that people like to come who don't wanna live in a big city. So when I grew up in Reading, it was a heavily Democrat-sided um, community because we had unions and we had sawmills and jobs. And then over time, it kind of flipped as those jobs went away and more retired people started coming to Shasta County. And now it's um, the majority is Republican. But even so, before the pandemic in Shasta County, people could be Republican and Democrat and still respect each other, still go to the downtown parades and see horses and floats and still go to the big pancake breakfast downtown that seats 14,000 people or something. You know, it just wasn't a big deal whether someone was a Democrat or a Republican. We respected each other. And uh, that's the way it was.
0: Looking back, it seems to me like you had a sense very early on in the pandemic that the restrictions that were happening in your state could lead to political trouble. Like back in July of 2020, you wrote a column and you titled it, Dear Governor Newsom, We've Got Trouble Right Here in River City. Yeah. Tell me what you saw back then that was the spark for everything that came after.
2: When I wrote that column I wanted people on the outside to know what was happening here, which was we, you know, in the early times of the pandemic, it was scary and nobody knew what was going to happen. You know, people were thinking of the plague or something, but um, there was the Cottonwood Mother's Day Rodeo that carried on with thousands of people, despite the governor's mandate that there would be no big public events. So that happened. And the local sheriff endorsed it. Yes, the night before the the Cottonwood Mother's Day Rodeo, the sheriff, were, that was two sheriffs ago, by the way, he got on, you know, the local TV and was smiling and saying, you know, I've talked to these folks and they've promised to use social distancing, which is ridiculous. We're talking a rodeo and, um, you know, it's going to be fine. Well, the thing was, is the state had already said there, re, there will not be any big public gatherings inside or outside. And then there was this huge religious it was supposed to be a prayer service, but it turned into this huge concert outside and no police showed up, no sheriffs showed up. So I guess my sort of law and order side, you know, the rule of law side is looking around saying, well, wait a minute, there's a state mandate that says, you know, no bars should be open, no big public events, and they're happening anyway. And then There was no enforcement early on. Even the supervisors who were under threat of recall later, they said from day one, you know what, we do not feel comfortable enforcing this, the state mandates. We don't agree with everything the governor is saying. And you know what? The governor doesn't probably even know we exist because we're a heavily red community. So we can just get away with it. Yeah, they could get away with it. And so very quickly on, I realized it was really not about the pandemic, or the virus, or any of it. It wasn't about public
0: health. It was about politics. The response to Donnie's op-ed, it was swift, and it was angry. And that anger began spilling over to the county board of supervisor meetings. Even though these supervisors didn't have the power to change state mandates, a local restaurant owner, Carlos Zapata, became a ringleader of sorts after this video of him at one of these meetings, absolutely went viral. you know, and As you're sitting there with your masks on, uh, I don't blame you for wearing masks, because I'd be hiding my face too if I was you for what you're doing. This is absolutely horrendous what you're doing to these people. I'm a business owner, and uh, and I'm telling you, our families are starving. You know, you guys can sit here with your jobs. You can- so
2: on this day, when Carlos Zapata, who is a restaurant owner, a former Marine, he has a bold business out in Palisadro where he holds mini rodeos and When he got up, I think he became the focus and the sort of de facto leader of the people who were so
0: frustrated. I'm telling you, good citizens are going to turn into real concerned and revolutionary citizens real soon. That We're building, we're organizing, and we'll work with law enforcement or without law enforcement. How did the tone and the tenor of the supervisors' meetings change after Carlos went viral? After Carlos Zapata spoke, um, it was like, you know, opening
2: up this box of hornets and unleashing it on the supervisor's chambers. And it sort of gave permission and a blueprint for how others who felt the same way he did, anti-government, you know, pushing back could behave. The tenor went from being a place that had decorum, you know, with a gavel and uh, you know, all meetings start with a prayer and the pledge of allegiance. It was a place where where school children could come and learn about how government worked, like a civics lesson. In short order, there was profanity, yelling, references to bullets and ropes. Oh, Mr. Muller, your bladder is calling, huh? What a piece of shit.
0: Okay, we're not we're not gonna have that language, please. There are children wandering in. I'm sorry,
2: Mr. Mr. Clemente, we have over and over again okay. asserted the fact that there's this thing called the Constitution. And I respect now, that. Now, I understand. Why can't you have offer, some decorum I understand. the children
0: that are in the room? It's I understand. just decorum.
2: I understand that you do not understand the fact that you swore an oath to the Constitution. It turned into pandemonium, and then what would happen is the people who were uh, nervous about who were on the other side? Who felt like we should we should be trying to do the best we can as far as not spreading COVID, and we we're going to look to the public health department for guidance and the CDC. Those people no longer felt safe going to supervisors' meetings because they felt unsafe. I mean, a lot of the people who were there carry weapons, and there's no metal detector. Something I've been you know beating the drum for for a long time. People are comfortable with guns and it's not just the right that has guns. I know friends who are Democrats who own guns. It's kind of a culture up here, but um, it just became a scary place. So what happened was then the, the balance of the people who would attend these meetings became basically just the rowdy yellers, screamers, people dressing in one guy dressed up in a costume as a grim reaper Another guy looked like Captain America. Um, they'd bring signs that would say, you know, you're fired to superv I mean to
0: public health people. It just became not a safe place to be. And pretty soon these angry people, they got more organized. Then they started wondering, why aren't we the ones making the decisions around here? Carlos Zapata. Early on, started putting
2: posts on Facebook about, we need to recall these sons of bitches. You know, we need to recall them all, all of them, you know. So that was their plan. Like, how can you take over a county if you don't take over the
0: government? When we come back, how an effort to recall a board of supervisors could become a blueprint for others
1: nationwide. In March 2021,
0: a slick docu-series, calling itself Red, White, and Blueprint, ended up on YouTube. It set out to chronicle the recall effort in Shasta County. There's a lot of dramatic music playing in the background of this movie. It's got sweeping shots of men and women riding horses, waving the American flag draw a line in the sand. If we keep running further and further back, they're gonna keep crossing the line. If
2: you're not gonna fight now, you're not gonna fight two steps down the line. We have the opportunity to make a very strong statement, a very important statement that says, we will not tolerate those who will not stand in the gap for us. We will not tolerate those who are going to step on the constitution or at least set it aside for the sake of government money.
0: We're gonna use every mechanism we have, whether it be
1: Political influence, whether it be
0: our. The filmmakers here the follow them. Carlos Zapata and others who share the same goal. Donnie sums it up like this Once we succeed in taking back, air quotes, taking back Shasta County,
2: we're going to show every part of it so that people across the country can copy us and they can use this blueprint to take over their counties too. They literally
0: said that. Yeah. Huh. It's beautifully produced. Like I was watching some of it. It's gorgeous. It's you know, clear that they had real video production involved in it. But its message is alarming. Its message is basically, here's how you take over your local government. And the you in that sentence is not just conservative, but anti-government. Anti-government.
2: And that's a distinction I want to make. I always bring out this mental cafeteria tray where you put the Salisbury steak and the peas and the applesauce and separate There are many fine, fine conservatives up here, some of whom were on the Board of Supervisors. But it's not just Republican. It's alt-alt-right, extreme,
0: extreme conservatives. The person financing this high-production alt-right video and the recall effort itself is a man named Reverge Anselmo. He's a millionaire with a very specific vendetta. He has donated money, and the reason he's donated money is because he had
2: he had an issue with Shasta County way back because he built this beautiful restaurant up in Eastern Shasta County called Anselmo's Vineyards. And it really was nice. You know, in Reading, we don't have that many really nice, classy things. I feel embarrassed saying that. I feel like I should apologize. But this was a place people would take a limousine and they'd go up there and they, you know, hey, we're going to Anselmo's for dinner. And he got into it about grading and permits and silly things about construction. And there were lawsuits filed and he lost, you know, he closed it down and sold it. So he has a beef and he has a lot of money. He has a ton of money. And I think it's just become this battle between rivera
0: and Somo and Shasta County. This recall effort, it targeted three supervisors. Why these three people? Well, the Board of Supervisors is comprised of five people, two of whom are the
2: alt-right side, pro-recall, pro-red, white, and blueprint. They've been featured in the films, in fact. The other three, Joe Comenti of District 1, Mary Rickert of District 3, and Leonard Modi of District 2, are all Republicans. But they were saying, "Okay, we don't agree with the state mandates, but we're not going to do anything that's going to send up flags and get us noticed or punished by the state. And the people in the crowd said, no, you're you're bending on one knee to the tyrant, the governor, Gavin Newsom. So they wanted people who would be more in your face, you know, more direct and not accept state money, And which is kind of hilarious when you think about how a, a city and a county is run, you know, water
0: roads, you know, they depend on state money. We depend on state money. Exactly right. In the end, there were only enough signatures for one person to be on the recall ballot. Leonard Modi. When you heard about that, did you think, okay, you know, I guess this is democracy. You know, one person is being recalled. It happens sometimes. And I'm just curious how you thought about it. Well, The thing is, is because of the way the board votes go, all they needed was one person.
2: They didn't have to take out three. All they had to do is shift the votes so that if they had one person on their side, then it would be a three-two vote, right? But the thing is, the election was handled perfectly. You know, our register of voters handled everything perfectly. You know, all the I's were dotted, T's were crossed. But the thing is, the premise of the recall was based on lies. What kind of lies were they telling? Oh, ridiculous things like that. Did you know Leonard Modi doesn't support Second Amendment rights? Well, it's baloney. He's a retired police chief. He owns guns. We have pictures of him target shooting. You know, everybody on that board owns guns. They blamed him for why people had to wear masks. I went to protests and rallies and I would interview people and and I would watch the people with these petitions, having people do signatures for the recall. And they'd say to somebody. Are you mad because your kid has to wear a mask to school? And the person would say, yes. And they said, well, sign here. This is why we're recalling Leonard Modi. Are you angry because you work for a hospital as a nurse and your hospital is asking for you to be vaccinated or give some kind of a exemption, you know, religious exemption? Yeah, I'm mad about that. Sign here. This is why we're recalling Leonard Modi. Are you upset about homelessness in Shasta County? I am. Leonard Modi hasn't done anything. That's why we're recalling him. Sign here. And I'm not exaggerating. It's like those kinds of things that had nothing to do with Leonard Modi were put forward as reasons why he should be recalled. And all this money who came from this millionaire flooded the local media market with
0: ads, very effective ads. That docuseries, Red, White and Blueprint, it sort of, it came to this crescendo about a month ago, right before The recall election was going to happen. How did you go into the election? How were you thinking about it? Like, did you did you think, oh, this is decided, he'll be recalled, or did you think, like, oh, maybe this this won't? Like, what was the sense you were getting going in?
2: Going into it, I was aware of how influential these commercials, you know, this half a million dollars in advertising money, how it how it influenced the community. But don't forget, it was just one district. That was voting on this because it was just their candidate, Leonard Modi. And so there are 21,000 registered voters in District 2, his district, and only 41% showed up to vote.
0: So a little less than 10,000.
2: Yeah. But I think a lot of people, early leading up to the election, I got some blowback from people saying, We are so tired of hearing about all this. Negativity. I mean, why are you focusing on these extreme people? Why don't you write some stories about the good things happening in Shasta County? And I would say, yeah, I want to write about sourdough starters and, you know, river trails and all that stuff eventually. But right now, you know, the wolf is at the door and we really need to do something before this recall. And they would say, it's not going to pass. This recall will not pass. People are smarter than that. Well, no, the recall passed. And I think now people are, right after the election, I think a lot of people were stunned. And I've had people say to me, I'm sorry I didn't do more. You know, people
0: didn't put signs in their lawns because they were afraid. The guy who was elected to replace Leonard Modi, Tim Garman, he doesn't seem extreme if you look at his website. I mean, he talks about funding the police. He talks about, you know, things you might expect. But he's not on there with like an AR-15 talking about, I don't know, opening things up at all costs. No. Well, you know,
2: um, Tim Garman is a Happy Valley school board president. And Happy Valley is a little school district just south of Reading, little community. And they decided their board unanimously decided to not follow any state mandates for their school. So that was, I think, what attracted to the the red, white, and blueprint folks. Like, hey, he could be a candidate. He stood up. He stood up and he said, no, we're not going to do that. And that's the way that side will refer to it is we're standing up for our children.
0: Hmm. Something I hear you puzzling over, and I puzzle over it too when I think about this story, which is how much this political breakdown you've witnessed over the last year or two in Shasta County how much of it you blame on COVID because COVID feels essential to everything that's happened. It's provided this like kindling to a fire. But I wonder, I wonder if you think this storm was coming anyway. I think COVID was the convenient excuse for
2: unleashing this unrest and dissent. Because early on, it was like, you know, open the board chambers when there was a spike. So the chambers are open, you know, remove the plexiglass, the plexiglass is removed. Let our kids go back to school. The kids went back to school. So pretty soon, everything they were demanding as their supposed complaint was granted. So but what I think what this really I think um, COVID and the pandemic was a convenient sort of way to open the door and allow all this dissent and unrest to rush in and take a seat and basically seize the day and seize the county. This is my community and it's other people's community too. And I resent this group taking over something
0: that belongs to all of us. Who has the right to do that? You know, you know, I really admire your grit is I guess the way I'd put it. The fact that I can hear in your voice you've spent two years covering what's happening. And that, and I can hear you're not going to back off either. I wonder what you'd tell other communities, other journalists too, about how to cover something like this when it comes to their hometown.
2: It's one of those, you know, looking in the rearview mirror Kind of situations. And I would tell other journalists and other communities that if you see this uprising of people in your community, people who want to take over school boards and water boards and supervisor seats, I would just say pay attention early on and really early on start doing deep investigation about who's backing it, what they want, how they're doing it, and hopefully I don't know, you know, I think main media here should have picked up on that more, but they didn't. And that's all, you know, water under the bridge at this point. And I don't know what it's going to be like here going forward. It remains to be seen.
0: Donnie Chamberlain, thank you so much for telling me this story. It's my pleasure.
2: I'm I'm honored to do it. And I, I hope that it makes a difference for people to see that what could
0: happen in Shasta County could happen anywhere. Donnie Chamberlain is the publisher of A News Cafe. You can find her reporting at anewscafe.com. And that's the show. What Next is produced by Mary Wilson, Carmel Del Shad, Elena Schwartz, and Daniel Hewitt. We are led by Alicia Montgomery. And I'm Mary Harris. I am going to let Lizzie O'Leary take it from here. She'll be in the feed through the weekend. And I will be back bright and early on Monday.